Happy anniversary. Welcome. If this is your first time uh, at Discovery or your first time watching, this is our nine-year anniversary celebration service. It's why there's a little bit of confetti on the, the ground here. We like having fun in church. How many of y'all like having fun? Are you all right with having fun in church? Okay. We can have a little bit of fun in church. We enjoy church. Should be the highlight of your week, I believe, man. How many of you love church? Where are you at? Anyone? Amen. Amen. I believe it's very important and strategic for us to intentionally pause and give God thanks. I think that we can go through our life just like complaining or maybe overemphasizing and focusing on the things that we don't have or the things that aren't right. But honestly, it's, a, it's strategic against the enemy and the attacks and the schemes of the devil to like pause, not get stuck in that and just reflect and remember on what God has done and say, thank you, God, you are good. Anyone been, God's been good to you in here, amen? So this is a moment for us to do that. It's strategic. We do it intentionally. We pause and go, look what God has done. We don't want to just bypass it and just keep running. No, no, no. Thank you, God. It's because of you. It is for you. It is unto you. Be all the glory. And so this is intentional for us to pause. But at our nine-year anniversary, it's even more strategic. Um, you know, in my research of like churches and ministry, and I, I coach a lot of pastors in churches and stuff like that, so I read a lot about ministry in churches and and and. There is one statistic that I've known for many years, and so this date has been on the horizon for me for a while. As we approach our 10-year anniversary, we're getting close to our 10th year as a church, and here's why I've been looking uh, down the road for years at this date. There's something about 10 years after a church startup. We started Discovery nine years ago today, but there's something that happens. Statistically, we see it all throughout churches that start up at the 10th year. For some reason, churches after 10 years are not as effective in ministry as they were before. And it's not just because of the excitement wearing off and momentum, and partially maybe because of that. But what it really is, the primary reasons is uh, it points back to vision and culture drift. That what started out so focused, so intentional, so pure, we're just reaching people and making disciples, and here's the vision. For some reason, after a while, it just gets complex and programmatic and confusing. And, and this is just normative, by the way, in, in all, not just churches, but, but for a lot of us here today, maybe you started out something that was focused and pure, but over time, you, it became distant and drifted. Many marriages maybe in this room or watching online today, started out very pure and focused. We're going to, till death do us part. And year after year after year, slowly we just, it, we became more distant. Or maybe it was your habits. You, 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 you started off focused and, and energized with some habits, get some habits right. But over time, there was drift. It became more distant and strained. It's just not where it used to be. Check this out. That happens in your faith. For some of you, when you first started in this faith journey, when you said yes to Jesus, you were so focused. You were so driven. You were so singular in loving God and following God and, and maybe even had some habits of like a hunger for his word or prayer or the gathering with God's people. And it was just, there was a drive. But after time, we drift. And so this word today, I have a word for you today. It's for anyone who started out with a lot of focus and excitement. But over time, you've drifted. 
And whatever area that, that, whatever area that is for, you just kind of, you drift it. And it's important for us, strategic for us as a church, that we don't drift from vision. We don't drift from the culture that has created the movement that is Discovery Church. And it's important for you that you don't allow drift to happen in your life. How many of you are ready for the word of God today? Amen? Amen? Okay, let me, this, in our anniversary services, it's, that, it's a moment for us to come back to vision, make sure we don't drift, but it also is a moment for us to look ahead at what God, I believe, is going to do. So I'm going to recast some vision with you guys and come back to some stuff to make sure we don't drift, but I'm also going to tell you some new things today that you'll hear for the very first time that I think God is doing next, and I am excited. We got to go, if we, got, if we don't want to drift, we got to go back to the very beginning, though, like, like what this is all about, Jesus' last words to the disciples, the marching orders. It's called the Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. If we don't want to drift, we got to get back to this thing right here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where Jesus says, therefore go and make what? Disciples. God didn't call us to go and make church attenders. Go and make congregants. We are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. So there's got to be a maturation process. There's got to be a journey of equipping. He says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So let me give you the three things here at Discovery that we believe a healthy disciple of Jesus looks like. And by the way, whether you are new to this journey of faith, or you've been on the journey for 20, 30, 40 years, it's the same thing. What a healthy disciple looks like is, is determined by the word of God, whether how long you've been following God, doesn't matter. This is what a healthy disciple looks like. Okay, are you with me? This is, what, this is where we've kind of developed the, the strategy and vision of Discovery Church. It's not new, but I need to reteach it to you guys. Okay, amen? Y'all ready? Okay, here's number one. A healthy disciple loves God passionately. Passionately, to which everyone on Sunday at church says, amen, right? Amen, amen. We love, yeah, of course you do. Of course you love God. Amen. A lot of people say they love God. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of people just get a little bit of Jesus, though, of what I've, I, I've discovered doing ministry for a long time. A lot of people just want enough of Jesus, just enough of Jesus just to go to church and still catch my game. I see you. I see you. I just want to just get the right time, too, so I can catch the game. It's kind of like the flu shot. You know what the flu, the flu shot is just the flu. I had a doctor tell me one time that it's the flu without its power. So some of you got just enough Jesus to trick your body. A little bit of Jesus, but no power. And some of you have been there for way too long, and it's time to step across that line of faith and give your whole heart to Jesus, like all of you, not just the little bit. Jesus confronted this kind of person all throughout his ministry. He confronted this attitude of partial commitment. In fact, one guy, he came up to Jesus and asked this question, what is the most important commandment? Pastor Chris talked about this. He re referred to it last week where this guy comes to Jesus and says, well, I just, what's the most important one? Let me show it to you. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 30. Jesus replies to this guy who wants the one commandment. He says, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You're not to have any other gods but this one. And you must love the Lord your God. Look at the totality of the commitment that he's talking about here. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, 
with all of your mind and all of your strength with your whole being were to love God. When he says love God with all your heart, what he's talking about there is an exclusive affection to God. That you love God exclusively and entirely. Now God doesn't mind you having other loves in your life. He just, he just takes umbrage to you loving other things more. God, you have all of my heart. You have all of my soul, meaning you, I am satisfied in you. You alone are my satisfaction. I find my satisfaction in you, my soul. I love you with all my soul, God. He says, and I love you with my mind, meaning this, that my decisions are based upon my love for you, God. I make decisions to obey you because I love you, which by the way, even that word love, the word love there, agape or agapeo, it's, and a lot of you know, it's, it, you know it as unconditional love, but the reason why this love is the most powerful love in all the Bible and all the words of love that could be used, that we're to love God this way, is because it's a love of the will. It's a love of your own volition. It is not a love that it's, it has its foundation of emotion. Now this love, no, no, don't get me wrong, this love that we have for God, it, it, it can evoke emotion at times, but it is not the core or foundation of what we are called to love God with. This is why it's so important to understand because there's other types of love that at the core, at the foundation of it, is emotional attachment. It's an emotional commitment, meaning when emotion's gone, you don't love anymore. It's gone. It's like, like I love, I love tri-tip. I love the eagles sometimes, right? You know what I mean? I'm just like, gosh darn them. I love, what do you love? You love chocolate. You love sweet. I love sweets. You know what I mean? But when the, when the flavor's gone, if I couldn't taste, when the flavor's gone, if I could no longer taste my love is gone. Okay, so this love that, that, that Jesus says we're to love God with is not a love that is founded upon emotion. It is founded upon your will, upon your decision. Meaning this, that when the flavor is gone and the emotion is gone, I'm gonna love you still, God. You have my heart, God, all of it. God, you have my soul. My affection is yours. I am satisfied in you alone, even though other things could satisfy me. I am choosing to be satisfied in you alone. You have my whole soul. You have, you have my, my whole mind, God. My decisions are not gonna be based on what is emotionally pleasing to me. I am choosing to obey you, God. I'm choosing to love you, God. It's a foundation of choice. And he says, and I love you with all my strength. My strength, I mean, I, I'm going to persevere. And every, and every trial I'm going through, I'm going to love you in the middle of it, God. All my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. For nine years, we've challenged people not to like join a religion, but to begin a relationship. Amen. To love God passionately. Like it should be, it should consume you. It's not a thing you do, it's who you are. It's a relationship with Jesus. And I want to celebrate something with you, and I want you to act like this is still the most important thing on planet Earth for children of God, the kingdom of God, and the house of God, that 635 people filled out a connection card saying they gave their life to Jesus. Can you celebrate that with me like it means something? Come on. Now, there's a lot of people who make commitments, but some people went to that next level and actually filled out a card to say it. And how about this? 235 people went to the next step and actually got baptized in water. Amen. And that's not including the few that actually did already today. And it's amazing. It's so amazing to have these moments of pause, to reflect, to give God thanks and glory because we started, like I got a picture of that living room that we started in. This was like 10 years ago now, right? This is when in the, in the living room, 
with just a few, and we were only there for two months, by the way. We were only in this living room for two months because just what God was doing snowballed so quickly. And then we, we got this building right, it's just honestly around the corner, if some of you don't know, that Shirah building. It was this tiny little thing, no air conditioning in there. You think it's hot right now. You're like, oh my gosh. It was like bad. It was bad. And I'm hot. I'm hot right now. I'm sweating. But this is, it was like, and still people came and people got saved and people committed and they kept inviting me. And we were like wall to wall in there. And we knocked down a wall and kind of expanded and leased another site next to us. And we did, and, and, and then eventually we got this building. And that's another miracle story. Maybe for another time. I don't have time today because I want to get into some stuff. But we actually, when we started, we were like, the worship center was here. And then we knocked down another wall and another wall and another wall. How many of you remember this? How I many of you have been here for a while? So you remember these just... And now we're at a place where there's like, there's honestly no more walls to knock down, but we're, we're running out of space. So right now, people are joining us online. They're out there in the overflow in our outdoor venue watching um, because there's just no, there's no room. And we're encouraging people for the committed people who love Jesus to come to an 8 a.m. service. Come on, somebody. Get up a little bit earlier. Come to an 8 a.m. service. Or go to 6.30 p.m. service, because these two services, 9.45 and 11.30, is where a lot of people who don't know Jesus and are first testing out discovery, they come. And so for some of you, like, if that, like, you would, you would get on your pastor's good side, okay? If you just go to one of those other services and make some room here. But even then, you guys, here's, here's the challenge. The challenge for us is, and I want you to write this down, we must continue to reach people. Oh, we're done. We've got, we've got no more seats in the worship center. There's only a few left here, here, and here. And that's it. And we just, I guess, I guess we're done. No, we're not. We must continue. The mission is still at hand to go and make disciples of all nations until Jesus returns. This is our mission. There are people in our community and in our world who are hurting, who are broken, who are trying to find meaning, significance, value, and so many other things other than Jesus that are taking life from them rather than adding true life to them like Jesus does. So the mission is still at hand. We have to reach people what do we do here? What do we do? It's a conundrum, right? So here's what we've been doing this year. We've already been doing two things actively, actively been looking for land to build a new church and actively at the same time have been looking to expand our current capacity here. We're looking at, because God, what door is he going to open? We're, we're looking, we're prayerfully looking and seeking and working with architects and other people, just kind of like, God, what, what door are you going to open? Because I know you you guys, I only got one speed, and it's forward and fast. I'm sorry. I don't got neutral. I don't got reverse. I just go this way. We're going to continue to reach people, and God's going to make a way. God is going to make a way. So we're like, we're, we're looking here, like, how much more can we build? Can we build on? Can we, can we purchase the whole block? What can we do? Can we just keep going? Or maybe there's another, like, we get 20, 30 acres and build from the ground up. We're, we're look, here's the thing. It's either land or expand at this point outside of getting the venue and outdoor and continuing to work out stuff like that. But no matter what, write this out, no matter what, we must multiply. We must multiply. What does that mean? Well, before COVID, we actually had multiple campuses. And we had Northwest, we had an inner city one, we've had a few. Um, and then since COVID, man, we kind of had to pull them back in for health and unity and, and, and honestly, survival. But right now, we're at a place where like, we're humming on all cylinders, man. The vision is humming. Our team is humming. The staff is humming. Everyone's just like, and we're ready to get back to multiplying and starting other campuses of Discovery Church again. And so uh, I have a question for you. Take out, take out your connection card. I have a few questions. I'm actually going to pull you today and would love to get some information from you. So in the prayer request section 
of your connection card, okay? I'd love for you to maybe write a few things down um, if these kind of uh, fit where you're at. So I got a question for you today. We're actually looking at launching one of three campuses, and I'll put them up here, one of three campuses in Northwest Bakersfield, East Bakersfield, and a Spanish campus, a Spanish venue, Espanol. Uh, so there's you know, three things, three, three can. Now here's the question I want you to, like, if you want, if you are interested in helping start, like be a part of the team that would actually serve and be a part of this campus and ministry at East, Northwest, or Espanol, if you want to do that, you write down you want to serve. Or if you would, if you would attend one of these, which by the way, these campuses would be a live stream. They're, we're going to have a big LED wall and I'm going to be teaching live at every campus of Discovery, and there would be live worship. So you're getting the same word, you're getting the same worship team, the same everything, same Discovery kids, just at a different location, because we need to continue to reach people. And this building does not have enough seats for everybody, and there's still people that need to know Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody, you guys? Okay. So, so if you want to be a part of that, if you would attend it, if you go, you know what, I would attend that because I live on Northwest. That'd be cool. You know, I'll attend that one. Or I will serve East Bakersfield. That'll be whatever that looks like. Write it down on the car because I would love to know because we need to multiply. Amen. Okay, that's number one. A healthy disciple loves God passionately. Number two, a healthy disciple loves each other authentically. They're, so, and this might be one of those areas of your of your walk with Christ that you've convinced yourself you don't need. A lot of people do. A lot of people are like, well, I don't really need people. You maybe even said that, and if you didn't say it, some of you have thought it. I don't need people. Okay, I love the, I love the story of Muhammad Ali, who, of course, Muhammad Ali was very demonstrative, boisterous, proud man. He gave a lot of good sound bites. As the story goes, though, he was on an airplane, and he wouldn't buckle his seatbelt before the flight was taken off. And the flight attendant asked him, you know, hey, sir, excuse me, can you please buckle your seatbelt? And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant was pretty witty, so she said back to him, and Superman don't need no airplane to fly either. Buckle up. <laughs> so here's, you ain't Superman, okay? You are not Superman. You need protection. You need people. And if you're here today and you're like, no, I don't, I'm good. Here's what I probably, I guarantee you either are living too small of a life or you haven't faced the battle big enough yet. That's the bottom line because you, you need, there is no way you can get through this life of faith alone. You can't. So, so when this guy asked Jesus, let me go back to Mark 12. When this guy asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus is like, hey, there it is. first, love God, love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's what he says in, John, in verse 31. He actually gives him a second one. He didn't ask for it, but he gives him a second one. Look what it says. And the second is what? Equally important. Now listen, I want you to, like, to, to sense the gravity of this. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying to us, that equally important to you loving God with your whole being, your whole heart, mind, soul, strength, giving him all that Jesus is saying, that this is equally important to your relationship with God. Equally, look what he says. The second is equally, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these like this is so, Jesus is saying, you cannot separate your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. He didn't, he, when he even backed into the corner, the guy tried to back him in the corner, like, what's one? Just give me one. And Jesus wouldn't let him. Jesus wouldn't let him because you cannot. He could not give just one. They are two inseparable things, to love God and to love people. 
This is where small groups come in at Discovery. These are those communities where you kind of get connected to and learn to walk out authentic relationships, where you get to be real, honest about what's really going on in your life. There's 138 small groups that we're launching today, today, at this, that's a lot of groups, so you cannot have the excuse anymore of like, oh, I just can't find one that's right for me. Nah, that don't fit. That does not fit anymore, okay? Because there's, we got them in the mornings and evenings, all demographics, all over the place, man. You can find a group that's right for you. Go online onto the website or to our app. Here's a couple of reasons why, and I got to hurry. I can't give you a whole bunch, but let me just give you two important ones. Number one, small groups are where you're known. They're where you're known, and everybody deep down inside, we want to be known. And even if you're here today, you're like, oh, I'm afraid of being known. No, no, no. Really, you do want to be known. You're just afraid of being judged. Deep down, you do. You do want, you want people to know it, to see it, and then not to, not to reject you because of what is really going on on the inside. Really, every one of us do. It's just sometimes even a lot of people, it's hard. One of the hardest places to be real at is church because this is a place that maybe you associate with judgment. And I'm just telling you right now, that's not who we are. That's not the culture. That's not Discovery Church, you guys. A lot of people, they're more comfortable opening it up and being real at a bar than they are at a church. I'm serious, because you know what? The bar is a judgment-free zone. You remember Cheers? You remember Cheers? The theme song of Cheers says it best, man. I got it up here. Look at this. Here, let me give you the theme song of, of, of Cheers. I'm dating myself, though. Some of you are like, what is Cheers? Look it up. Here's what it says. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Who would agree with that, right? Okay, taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot. Yeah, man, give me a break, dude. Wouldn't you like to get away? Who wouldn't? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see, where your troubles are actually all the same, where you can actually open up about something, and they go, yeah, my marriage too, man. And they don't judge you for that. Oh, yeah, 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 me too, man. I'm, we're doing the same thing. You want to go where everybody knows your name. That should be the church. It's about a bar, but that should be the church right there. <laughs> Small groups are the place. It's the place where you are protected, where you are safe, where you are known. Okay, the second thing. Small groups are where you're healed. Oh, this is so important because there, there there's impartation that God wants from heaven to earth. God wants to give to you. He wants to impart into your life. He wants to heal you, heal your mind, heal your heart. Your, your soul, your body, he, there's, there's healing for you that actually is held up because you're not honest with people, because you never take off the mask. And some of you need to get there. You need to get to that place where you go to the group and you just take off the mask. You go with, it, go with her, go with him and say, you know what, we're like, we're really struggling. Can I just say, we're just to be honest, we're really struggling. And if this group doesn't work, I don't know if it's ever going to work. And what you're going to find out is, is after you just finally take off that mask and let people know, the other couples in that group will go, oh. Us too. Yeah, yeah, us too. Us, us too. That's, that's, that's the place where you are healed. Look at James chapter 5, verse 16. He says, confess your sins to who? Yeah, there you go. Not just to, not just to God. Oh, me and God are good. No, 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 no. You, you can't do that. Jesus said you can't. There is an equal importance of you having healthy relationship with other people. The scripture tells us not just to confess to God, but to confess to people, confess to each other and pray for each other. And when you do that, he says, hey, there's healing there for you. There's some healing there when you get authentic and real and vulnerable with other people in your life. Okay, so, so we love God. Healthy disciples love God passionately. They love each other authentically. And number three, they change the world for the cause of Christ. 
They are making a difference, okay? God calls you to a service. I'm telling you, beyond anything and everything you could even imagine, you were put on this earth to make a contribution, to make a difference. You weren't just put here on this earth to suck air, take resources, and take... No, you were, you were meant, you were designed purposely, intentionally, this life, this time, this body, this family, these gifts, these resources to make a difference, to add to life, not to take away life, but to make a difference and help people. Can I get an amen, somebody? John chapter 15 says it this way. Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that your life would be fruitful. It glorifies God when you are fruitful, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this so that, your, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We're called to change the world for the cause of Christ. There's, at Discovery, our missions is, is like there's three arms of our mission. We call it local, national, and global. And it, it's there in your notes, but I put it up here on the screen as well for those of you that are watching online. Our local mission is through our Dream Center. Our Dream Center is down on Union where we kind of, it's our, it's our hub of outreach and mission where we're transforming the inner city from the inside out. A lot of our addiction and recovery, clothing and 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 food outreach, and hotel ministry, and ministry to, to addicts out there, and sex trafficking, and all that stuff is like, it's like it, that, that's the hub of it. And so our vision here with our inner city ministry and, and Dream Center, right now we're leasing the space, um, but we actually want a permanent location built from the ground up, Discovery's Dream Center in the inner city. Can I get an amen, somebody, you guys? We want to see this city change and transform. That's a local mission. National mission is... Uh, is church planting and church rescue. Pastor Chris, if you missed it, talked about rescuing churches and how we as a church, we are about God's church, not just our church here, but God's church. And we show a lot of resources and do a lot of coaching and helping of other pastors, other ministries, and other cities across the globe. And that's part of our national mission. We believe that the best thing for our nation, that the, the mission to our nation is actually making sure that God's lighthouses stay lit and more lighthouses are started. So we're planting churches and investing in a lot of resources into planting churches and, and, and rescuing churches from closing their doors. That's our national mission. And then our global mission is actually not just planting churches globally, because we believe in the local church, um, but also missions partners. And this next year, we actually are partnering, really excited to say, partnering with Mission 111. And there's going to be, after COVID, we haven't been able to like since COVID, we haven't been able to do a lot of missions, but we're getting back at it. Next year, we're actually having a lot of Mexico trips, Africa, um, Honduras, uh, Ukraine as well. There's going to be so many opportunities for you to get involved in missions, your youth, young adults, and any age, uh, getting back out in the mission field and making a difference. Amen, somebody? On your connection card, I want you to, if you are interested in supporting our mission strategy of, of expanding churches, our missions. There's something here at Discovery called the Legacy Team. And if you're interested in, in learning how, like, how and when we're going to do this and you want to support financially, above and beyond your tithe, some, that's what the Legacy Team is. The Legacy Team are, is people who actually are giving, they're tithing, but you have the ability to give above and beyond to God's kingdom. And if you want to be included in some of the information about some of this vision stuff we're doing, where we're planting churches, how we're expanding emissions, and what we're doing in the mission field, and you'd like to maybe sow some of your resources into that, you can join the Legacy Team. You write Legacy Team on there, and I'll keep you in the loop. Amen? Okay. 
Let me get to Philippians chapter three here. I love what Paul said. Paul says this. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. Like, we're not there yet, man. We're not at the finish line. I'm not there. We haven't arrived. I haven't taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Someone say one thing. I love the Apostle Paul's narrowing it down, man. He's like, no, no, no. I got this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on. I love the language that Paul is even using here. He's talking about uh, a straining and pressing. Like, I got to get back to this one thing, and I'm going to grind again, man. I'm going to run again at this thing. How many are ready to get back and strain and press on to the things of God in your life. Because we've maybe drifted, some of you have maybe drifted from your purpose. You've drifted in areas of your life and, and you need to get back to this lane, this one thing to, to strain and press on. He says, toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And today I hope to be a catalyst for you. That not only can we make sure that we don't have mission creep and culture creep and drifting away, but you and your faith and your marriage and your purpose and your life, you got to make sure, you got to be careful that you don't drift. Okay, so here, let me, let me ask you this question. I want you to maybe just, you can write it down and ask it to yourself. But here it is. What, what one thing, if I changed, would make the biggest difference in my life? Paul said, I have this one thing, man. What's your, what's your one thing? What is, what, what is the one thing that if you changed today, change, it would make the biggest difference and impact in your life? And I was praying for you and thinking about this of like what maybe you, things that you would change that make the biggest difference. And I got a few thoughts and, you know, they're not in your notes or anything, but maybe some of you would say, you know what, Pastor, it's my habits. If my habits were to change it would make the biggest difference if I could get rid of this habit, you know what I mean? If I could stop drinking so much, then it would make the biggest difference. And some of you are like, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't drink a lot. Yeah, but everyone else says you do, okay? So, amen. Amen. okay, right? You know, so, so it, sometimes it's not even a bad Sometimes it's like you're just on the internet too much or something, you know what I mean? You're on social media too much. Veronica and I went out on a date on a Monday afternoon. We usually go on a lunch date or an evening date, and we were Monday afternoon. It's our day off. We went to lunch at some Mexican restaurant, sitting down and talking, having a good time, and we noticed this couple just right across from us, the whole time, they're just on their phone. They, the whole dinner, they didn't say one word to each other. Somehow they got through the whole thing, paid, they got refills. You know, I don't know if they're like, I need a Pepsi, please, because I don't get a refill unless I'm like, hey, hey. I don't know how they did it, but they did everything. And then Veronica and I looked at each other and caught it ourselves. We're like, did you see that was so awkward? See, sometimes it's not even like bad things, but even those good things, can, we can take too far, can't we? And some, some, some of it, though, is. Maybe you, you're looking at things on the internet. Some of you got some habit that you're looking at some stuff that you're, you shouldn't be looking at on the internet. You're like, if that changed, though, man, that would change my life. It make the biggest difference. You have this addiction. You have this habit. For some of you, maybe you say it's a relationship. If that relationship changed, it would make the biggest impact. Some of us have relationships that are just no good, man. They're pulling you in the wrong directions. Or some, some of you have relationships that may need to be restored. Maybe that drift thing has happened like year after year in your marriage. It started off, but just you're 10 years down the road now, and it's like you're, you're and like, if that changed, you're like, okay, if that changed, if we stopped going that way, we started drifting towards each other again. Man, that would make the biggest difference in our life and in our family. Maybe getting into a group and doing that honest thing, taking off a mask and being like, hey, this is really what I'm, you know, dealing with. That's like the biggest difference that would make. 
in your life. Or maybe others of you would say, my debt, man, if that would change, if bail me out government or something, man, that would be good. If I just, that would make the biggest difference in my life. And what if we just, what if, what, what if we stopped getting into debt and we started tackling our debt? Man, that would be a big difference. You're thinking like that would make the biggest, or some of you, it's your health. Your health, man, like, like that's the thing that's eating you up or preventing you from living the way that you want to live. Here's, here's the thing. These are, these are important things, you guys. And we're going we're gonna, to, I promise you this, we're going to come around you and support you and encourage you and help you heal and grow. But listen to me, these are all good things, but they can't be the one thing. They can't be. None of these have the power inherently within themselves to sustain you, to give you life. None of them. You cannot put your hope and trust in your relationships or your habits or your routines or your debt or finances or your health. All of that is changeable. It moves with this world. It can't be the one thing. I want to show you a story in the New Testament where Jesus tells us the one thing, the one thing that maybe... Today, you need to get back to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're going to pick up this story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. I'm going to pause right there and just point out that Martha was the one that initiated this, this, this meeting, this conversation, this hangout with Jesus. She gets a bad rap in this story, but Martha was the one that was like, hey, let me initiate a relationship. Come on in and, and, and into my house. And so she had a sister called Mary, who sat where? At the Lord's feet. I want to be close to Jesus. Sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was what? Distracted. Can anyone relate to that? You're trying to listen to me, but you're like, eh. You're like checking the score. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or you're trying to pray, and your mind goes elsewhere, or you're trying to study at school or something like that, and you're just like, eh. You get... You get distracted. Just so, just this is Martha. She's distracted by all the preparations that she had to that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, "Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me!" Exclamation mark. Like Jesus, do something about this. And Jesus goes, "Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset, focused on all the wrong things. You're upset about many." things, but only one thing. Someone say one thing. You're distracted about so many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has actually chosen it. She's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. There's three things that we need to learn from this story. If we're going to get away from the drift, we're going to come back to the one Thing, the real one thing sitting at Jesus' feet. Number one, number one, I got to focus my life on what's most important. I got I to gotta focus my life and get this back into all these things that are maybe like good, okay. They're just not, they're taking me away from what is most important. Jesus was in her house and she was in the kitchen. Can you imagine this? In a lot of ways, some ways, Jesus is in this house and you're in a kitchen. You're not taking advantage of the opportunity that you have right in front of you. You're not realizing 
that what is here, what is right now, like you live in the greatest country in the world, and it still is. Amen, somebody? I don't care what you say, it still is. You live, you're attending one of the greatest churches in the world, okay? You've got opportunities that are afforded to you and freedoms that are afforded to you that you're allowing to pass by you. I was reading this story about this sniper. It was actually like how snipers actually work. I don't know if you've ever studied that. Maybe you watch the movies. These snipers, they get all covered in all the dirt and trees and debris and stuff. And they are so focused, though. It was about their focus. It was about how intent they are. They'll be on an anthill getting bit by all these ants, and they will not move, not one inch. They won't move. And it would take them to travel 20 feet. It could take them like two days. They're just, they're, they don't want their movements to be noticed at all. And they said that they can notice when one blade of grass is moved in and out of place. That they're so focused on the mission at hand. They're so intent, not distracted by anything. Here's what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Be very careful, like it's easy, so you got to be careful on this. Then how you live, not as unwise, but be wise, making the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. That word opportunity in the Greek is kairos. Kairos, and it literally means a window of opportunity, meaning it'll open and it'll shut. And there are, there's, there's opportunities that are, that are right in front of you that are open to you, like Jesus is here. He's in the house. He's moving. He's speaking. And there's windows of opportunity that we're missing and are shutting. Oh, man, we need to focus. We need to focus. Get our focus on what is most important. I've been challenging people for Nine years, nine years to, to go all in. Like, go all in. Like give, here, here's my challenge, and I do it every, every anniversary. I give the cha- same challenge, and here it is. Stop playing games with God. Stop playing games with church. Stop making this about a day of the week or just a portion of your life. Like, he's Lord of my spiritual life, but not my relational life, not my sexual life, not my financial life, not my, I'll put him here and not here. Stop playing games and go all in. Heart, soul, mind, strength. I challenge you to this one year. I've been doing this like nine years. I've been giving this challenge. I do it often, but I do it every anniversary. If, the, if, if, you're, if you are in, you know that there's more to this life, man, and you know you keep drifting from what is central, what is most important, you know it, then I want you to take me up on this challenge and write down the date, today's date in your calendar, that one year from today, one year, what would it look like if you just said, okay, maybe not the rest of my life, I can't make that big of a commitment, but one year I'm going all in. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the group, pastor. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the group. I'm going to join a dream team. I'm going to start serving. I'm just going to, okay, I'm going to be in, man. I'm not going to just treat church like something I attend. I am the church. I'm going to be who God has called me to be one year and just see what God can do when he's at, in control of your life. One year, go all in. And I always say this, like, if after one year from now, if nothing has changed and your life isn't better, I'll join another church with you, okay? I'll just, because it's just, if it ain't working, why? Let's just go somewhere else where it is working, amen? <laughs> I'm serious. I am dead serious. If it ever stops working, then I'm going somewhere where it is, okay? But it does, and he does. He works. It works. So I want you to take out your connection card. If you're here today, and that's you, and you're ready to go all in, I want you to write it down on that prayer request, all in. Write the date down. Write today's date. If that's you and you're ready, I'd love for you to write it down. For some of you, you've been here for a while and you've already gone all in and you've taken me up on this all in challenge at some time before. I'd love to know. 
You, will you write that down too, man? If you, if you have gone all in before, write down all in and tell me the date or something when you did or, or that you have an all in story or something. Man, I would love to know that you went all in. Amen. Jesus is right in front of you in your house. Amen, somebody. Okay, here's, here's number two. Number two. Sorry. Number two. Get rid of every distraction. Okay, here's... It may be a good thing, it may be a moral thing, it may be something that's upright, but it's diverting your attention and eventually is gonna drive away your affection. Here's what I know. If the devil can't destroy you with bad things, he'll settle for distracting you with good things. He, he's not gonna go directly after your calling, you know what I mean? He's, he's not, he's not after your calling, not directly. He's not after your comfort, he's not after your career, he's not even directly going after your kids. Here's what he is directly after, your connection with God. That's what he, he doesn't mind you being successful as long as, as long as he severs the, the connection in the process. He doesn't matter. He doesn't mind if you make more money and take a promotion as long as that connection with God is severed in the process. He doesn't mind if you put your kids into all year round the clock ball and send them everywhere as long as he's disconnecting in the process. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind if you get consumed with hobbies as long as you drop the connection in the process, there are a lot of things that are fine, that are fine, that we just, there's nothing really wrong with them, but we take too far. Social media is one of them. It's fine, right? It's fine. I use it. It's good. It's encourage people. Six hours later, dang it, right? Football starting today. It's fine. It's okay. It's good. Have fun. Just don't make it, don't, don't move your emotions up and down with it. Don't put your hope in it. Don't put your trust in it. It will let you down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. It's tripping me up, man, the sin that easily entangles because I'm running this race and I want to run it with perseverance. This race marked out for me everything that is distracting. I need to let it go. It's taking me, it's drifting me away from the one thing that is most important in my life. And number three, what I see in this story is we got to prioritize the presence of God in all of our life. Hold on. Don't, I know that's the last feeling. Don't check out on me yet. What I'm, what I'm meaning here is, like, I'm not just going to come to church on Sunday. You know what I mean? I'm going to serve God on Monday. I'm not going to just wait to get into the presence when a worship team leads me on a Sunday. I'm going to like get into the presence of God tomorrow on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. I'm going to prioritize the presence of God. So it's Jesus, don't be a part of my life. Be the center of my life. Remember that song, Jesus be the center of it all, meaning like you're, you're not just in my life. You're the center of the will. What all the spokes of the will come out of. Like there can be other things in my life, but Jesus, you're at the center of it. Everything in my life comes from you. Jesus, be the center of it all. So you need to get back to one thing. I love how Paul says it in Philippians chapter three. He says, I once thought these, these things they were good. I once thought they were valuable. All these things that I kind of drifted towards that got my attention and grabbed my affection. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of the one thing, because of what Christ has done. Yes, he says, everything else that I grabbed onto, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of this one thing, knowing Christ 
Jesus, my Lord. He says, yes, for his sake, I have discarded everything else. I'm letting go. I'm dropping everything else. All these other things that I let grab my attention and I'm grabbing a hold of the one thing again. The one thing. I'm throwing everything away and I'm coming back to this, this, this right here. I'm going to put Jesus be the center of my marriage. Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my family. Jesus, I'm, I'm coming back and I'm grabbing hold of you again. I'm letting go. Everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can gain the one thing. I can gain Christ. David says it like this in Psalm 27. I love this. He says, I'm asking God for one thing. Only one thing. Someone say one thing. That's it. When it comes down to it, sure, he cares about your habits. Your relationships, your debt, your health, sure. But it all comes back to one thing. That when Jesus is at the center, everything else will fall into place. He'll, he'll, he'll work out your habits. He'll, he'll work out those relationships, the, 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 the debt, the health, all that. When Jesus is at the center, when, you're, when you let go of everything else, you grab him. I'm asking God for only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty, meaning I'll worship you, God, and I'll study. Look at this. Look at this. Like Mary, I'll study at his feet. I just want to sit here. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to know you. This one thing, nothing else matters. Can we get back to that together? Can I pray? Some of you have drifted. You've drifted in your faith. And this is normal. It's normal for churches. It's normal for ministries. It's normal for organizations. It's normal for marriage. It's normal for your faith. It's normal in every area. And we just need to, I think many of us need to just come back to the one thing again and grab hold of it. Let go of that. All those other things that we thought were valuable and grab hold again of the one 